This series is called, I want you to write it at the top of your notes, This Is What We Do. This is what we do. I said that this is what we do. Hi. Only the front section vibe with me. It's all good, though. This is what we do. I said that this is what we do. Okay, front and middle. Back is still like we were, we were good at the third time, but I'm not doing it the third time. This is what we do. I wanted to start the year off letting you know this is what we do. Every week we're going to talk about something we do as a church. Listen, we preached this the last week of the year. What you do is directly connected to what you believe. Some of us have our beliefs way on this corner, and what we do is over here. Our beliefs is on a vacation somewhere. We're Christian only in our cognitive ability, but with what we do in our daily walk and everything that goes on in our real life is completely separated. We're here to remind you, church, for these next couple of weeks of what we do. I'm excited for February because we're jumping into our basic sermon series. It's the basics of dating, relationships, sex, and now marriage. Hello, somebody. Got a ring on it. Shout out to young married couples having sex. Let's go. We get to do it. We get to do it, right? It's like it's biblically okay. <laughs> it's fun. Straight up. But tonight, we're talking about this is what we do. Somebody, can you just say back to me, this is what we do? All right. Uh, we're, we're looking at First Peter. Last week, we talked about First Peter. Uh, it's, in the, it's in your Bible. Can you put your Bibles out, put your notes out? Hey, whenever I mention a scripture, my expectation is that you take that scripture home. And if we read a verse, read the chapter, right? It says that in Christianity... Uh, Christians that read one time a week, two times a week, three times a week, who read the Bible, they still struggle with anxiety, depression. Uh, they, they struggle with, with not sharing the, the gospel with their friends. They struggle with, with, with so many things. But once a believer goes to four times a week, all those things decrease, and their evangelism increases. Their depth in the word increases. Their, their ability to step into their purpose increases. Why is that? Why, why, what's the difference between one, two, three, and the number four? Here's the thing. Once you get to four times a week, the majority of your week, you're in God's word. So every time you hear a verse tonight, I want you to just write the verse and, and go back home from now to Sunday, now to next Tuesday, uh, next Friday, and just read it. Just read it. Just read it. We're reading from the message translation uh, translated by uh, the theologian Eugene Peterson. Um, this dude, he, he kind of words scripture in a way that, that we can just understand it in, in 2020, right? He's not changing the words. He is uh, interpreting the words a bit more clearly. Does that make sense? So we're reading 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5 in the message translation. I want to let you know this. First uh, Peter, obviously, so Peter writes this book, right? All of the books in the Bible were written by man, however, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if you believe in Jesus, his spirit is inside of you, right? If you've said yes to Jesus, his spirit 
That's the promise of Jesus. His spirit enters your soul. That's why when you start to live a life that Jesus isn't calling you to, you feel something called conviction. You feel, feel something pulling you another way. That's the Holy Spirit pointing you to another direction. Can I tell you, conviction is not your enemy. Conviction is your friend. It's a tap on the shoulder to say, hey, you know God's got bigger for you. You know God's got more than you. You don't got to post this thirst trap. You don't got to go out there and do those things with those people because God is calling you to something greater. And that's what the Spirit does. He convicts us. He moves us. Not only does he convict and move us, he comforts us. He's our ever-present help. Father, where are you? The Spirit's inside of you. Call into the Spirit to bring you outstanding peace, outstanding joy. And that's why we got to get in our words so you can see who God is. Because once you know, you know. So in 1 Peter, we're reading a man who penned the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, Peter and most of the disciples were brutally murdered for loving and believing and preaching the gospel of Jesus, brutally murdered. They take Peter and they put him on a cross. And he's like, wait, hold up. I'm not even worthy to die like Jesus did. Can you turn me upside down? I don't even deserve to go out like my boy did, Jesus. So they take his cross. He was crucified to death. And they flipped him upside down. So Pete, the guy who wrote this book, that's how he died. But can I tell you how he lived? He was a regular fisherman. He used to swear. He used to, he used to just, he was a bad man. But once he met Jesus, his name went from Simon to Peter. Jesus had a new name for him. This is the same dude that denies Jesus three times. He said, I don't know Jesus. They, they captured Jesus, and then they start looking for his disciples. He's like, you was always walking around with 12 dudes. Some of you, that's you and your family. You was always walking around with people. You always got a group around you. <laughs> the Puerto Ricans in the house. Every time I see you, you just walk in a group. Do you guys go to sleep together? I, could, I swear, Jesus was Puerto Rican. He just went everywhere late with a group, <laughs> right? Like, we Puerto Rican. <laughs> So Jesus gets captured and disciples goes missing. They're scattered. All of them. None of them were, were there to be seen. And they find Peter and they're like, I know you. You used to walk around with that Jesus. I know. I don't know Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. Even a little girl comes up and says, I know you. you used to be. No, I don't know Jesus to a little girl. That's the dude writing this book. And then with rejecting Jesus, he feels that, that guilt, that shame. But instead of running away, he runs back to the Father. And he's forgiven. Jesus says, listen, on this rock, on you, I'm going to build my church. So Peter begins to serve the church. He begins to live for Jesus. He dies upside down on a cross. So he, he writes 1 Peter. Can I tell you, as you're reading 1 Peter, you're going to notice the theme of this book, the purpose of him writing this. When you go home and read it, the purpose of him writing this is this. He's trying to show the church. He's trying to show the early church. Listen to me. You are going to suffer, but can I tell you, the suffering is only for a moment. There is a glory that is coming. There is a glory that is awaiting. Yes, you're suffering, and that doesn't mean that God isn't good. That just means that he allows you to go through some things. But what if you just persevere like your Jesus did, if you would just turn the other cheek like your Jesus did, I promise you, you'll get to a place where life forms you into the image of Jesus. So as you're reading this book, you'll, you'll see he's speaking a lot of suffering, a lot of the glory that comes, the glory that awaits us. We don't live once. There's another life coming. Amen? It's not just this life. There's a whole nother eternity. I was just talking with a Christian the other day. I was like, listen, when we get to heaven, it's really going to be the real conversations, right? 
Like when we're in heaven and like we'll never cry again, we'll never feel pain again, we'll never sorry, we're never, we're never, uh, we're never gonna like worry, we're never gonna be anxious. We're in the almighty presence of God for eternity in heaven in mansions He's made for us in a place He's created for us with crowns and robes. It's like Narnia, y'all. That's heaven, but much billion times better. I hear, I hear theologians say there's colors in heaven we haven't even seen on earth. Like there's stuff like it blows you, like streets of gold. Like gold is what we rock, you know what I'm saying? Like my gold, you know what I'm saying? Streets of gold. Like we're going like, oops, I just chipped a little bit of gold. That's heaven. When we get to heaven, those are going to be the real conversations, right? Like, you remember that one time you thought about leaving the church? You remember? Wasn't it worth just sticking it out? Remember that one time you got hurt in the church? You remember that? And you hated God? Instead of just realizing that the church is ran by people and people aren't perfect? Remember when you actually walked away? You remember when you backslid? You hit the spiritual moonwalk? And you said the best thing for me right now is to not go to church. It's too much. But you came back home. And you stepped into your purpose. And here we are today with your children's children's children, children up in here partying like crazy forever. In the That's going to be the realest conversations. Remember every time you cried? Every time you felt pain? Every time you suffered? Wasn't it worth it? Because we're here forever, baby. That suffering just lasted for a moment. It lasted for a week. It lasted for a month. It lasted for a year. But we're here forever. And Peter's bringing that reminder to the church. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Okay, let's read the Bible. I, Peter, I am an apostle. Someone say apostle. When we speak about spiritual gifts, how many of you guys were at the spiritual gifts leaders lab we had? Man, that was amazing. So you have the five-fold calling gifts, apostleship, prophets, evangelists, shepherds slash pastors and teachers. Those are the calling gifts. But this apostle is a bit different. The apostle gift is to lead large organizations. It's to lead churches from a 30,000-foot scope. It's not to just be caught up in one small church, but to be able to have the ability, the God-given ability to lead churches, to lead organizations, to lead mass things. That's your senior pastor, Pastor Gabby, by the way, if you wonder. We're opening up a fourth New Birth campus uh, <laughs> in a couple months in Longwood, right? So that's his ability. That's his gifting. But this is a different apostle. You see, this apostle is not the spiritual gift. This is literally, so there's two apostles in the Bible. You have the apostles who have the spiritual gift of apostleship, but you also have the apostle, someone put into ministry by Jesus himself. Someone called into ministry by Jesus himself. So you have people nowadays that they say, wait, why are you calling yourself an apostle? Jesus didn't put you in ministry. It's not the title of that one. It's the spiritual gift. You guys with me? So Peter says, I'm an apostle. And he literally defines it <laughs> on assignment by Jesus, the Messiah, writing to exile scattered to the four winds. Let's keep reading. Not one is missing, not one forgotten. God, the Father, has his, remember last week, has his eye on you, on each of you, and has determined by the work of the Spirit, somebody say Spirit, to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. He gives the Trinity right there. God the Father has his eye on each of you and has determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. 
may everything good from God be yours. And then the narrative switches in verse 3, where he goes from declaring to wonder. He goes from saying and explaining to this is how I'm feeling. Read with me, verse 3. What a God we have. Oh! Man, do you feel like that about God? Like, do you in the middle of worship, like, this is crazy! I know what I did yesterday. How am I in this building experiencing the very real love and presence of God? This makes no sense. I, what a God we have. He's so good. Wonder. What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life. And have everything to live for. Including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. He's writing to a suffering community saying that God has his eye on you. God is not unaware of what's going on. He's actually also aware of the future. And he's pointing you to the day. You see what he's trying to do. He's pointing you to the day when you'll see Jesus face to face where every tear will be wiped away with all pain and suffering will vanish completely forever and ever. My next idea, listen, we love God. This is what we do. This is what we do. Next idea, we love God. Secondly, we are in the wonder of God. So we love him we are in the wonder of God, right? So we love God. God, thank you for sending your one and only son. You didn't have 13 and sent the one you didn't like. You sent your one and only son to be born through a virgin, to live a perfect life and die at the age of 33. He split history books. He split all time. Everyone who's ever existed from his death till now knows the name of Jesus, even Kanye West. Thank you, God. We love you. We love you. Secondly, we're in the wonder of God. I'm just blown away by this. How can a God so holy love a broken thing like me? How can a God so, a God so high up be even interested on me? How does he, have, how does he do it? So here's the, here's, the, here's the therefore. We love God. We're in the wonder of God. Therefore, we talk to God. We love him. We're in wonder. So we talk to him. Here's my sermon title. This is what we do. We pray. Prayer is talking to God. If you call yourself a Christian, a fully devoted believer in Jesus, you must have a life of prayer. We talk to God. We pray. You see, I've seen people who struggle with the the sin of gossip that's just spreading lies, spreading rumors, sometimes even something that's about you, just to mention other people's names without them knowing, talking bad about someone without them even in the room. And that doesn't make you feel good. But sometimes it feels good, it feels good being on the other side of that. And I've seen people who talk to people with all the wrong things to all the wrong people, and those things and those people cannot help you in any way. They will not help you. They will not assist you. They will not build you. But sometimes you and I, we tend to just speak 
negativity on others, negativity on other people, and begin to tear down their reputations and speak negative things into existence with our words. And I've seen that happen outside the church and inside the church. Listen, there's sharks and then there's Christian sharks. Baby shark, do, 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 do. And I feel like God sometimes is looking at us like, yo, you've told everybody about what's going on except for me. Your mama, your auntie, your cousin, your pito, you told everybody. When are you going to tell me? And God's saying this tonight. Next idea, go vertical with prayer first with what is going on. We tend to go horizontal. We tend to go, something happened, I'm going to go to someone I can actually see because they can actually help me. Are you really in the wonder of God? Oh, oh, something happened? Oh, who can I tell? Who can I tell? I need somebody. I need somebody, I need somebody tangible. I need, who am I going to go to? And God's like, I'm right here. I saw before it happened. And if you were talking to me before it happened, you would have heard my word and how to be ready, how to be prepared, how to protect yourself, how to cut some things off. My spirit would have led you through that. But now I got to be the last one to know what's going on. Go vertical with your prayer first with what's going on. Here's my question to help you pray. Do you seek God when no one is looking? This is prayer. No one's looking. Jesus, he's in the synagogue. He's out in the streets. And he's like, hey, yeah, praying in the temple, that's easy, yo. Praying in the temple, praying with other people that are praying, that's pretty easy. Hit him with the shabba laba ding dong and everybody just think you're doing it right. No one knows it's you. That's light. He goes, he goes, go into your room, lock the door, and call upon Jesus in the middle of your room when no one is looking, and greater is the reward. Do you seek God when no one is looking? Next question, do you have this burning desire to know him, to know him, to know him? That's like talking to him. That's like reading his word. This is what we do, y'all. This is what we, if we're going to be God in the world, we got to know how he works. We got to know how he, he thinks. We got to get his heart. Some of us, yeah, we, we got Jesus in us, but now we need a heart transplant because our heart still wants the things of the world. Our heart still wants, our mind is still caught up in the things of the world. And listen, that's okay for, for a moment, but let's keep on moving. Let's keep on growing. Let's get out of that and move into something. And that's why Christians say, God, I don't think you're working. And God's like, wait, you stopped working. You stop praying. You stop seeking after my face. And in verse 3, 1 Peter, he's saying, listen, what a God we have. What a God. He's reminding them. Listen, how fortunate we are to have him. This father, our master Jesus, you know what he is? He's full. Next idea. He's full of wonder. What a God we have. What a God we serve. What a God who's available. Man, I got to pray to him. I got to go to him first. My next idea, listen, it's bad English, but it's good preaching. You're either worryful or wonderful, but you can't be both. You're either full of worry or full of wonder, but you cannot be both. You're either worryful, which is not a word, but it's good preaching, bad, bad English. You're either worryful or wonderful, but you can't be both. What am I trying to say? Listen, either worry will fill your heart and paralyze you, or wonder will fill your heart 
to push you into new things. Either worry will fill your heart and paralyze you. Paralyze you. You can't move. You can't think. You can't act. Or wonder will fill your heart to push you into new things. Listen, why do we worry? Like, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we worry? We don't know the outcome of it. We, we don't, we worry because things happen. Thank you. Because things happen, right? Why do we worry? Because life happens. Why do we worry? Because suffering happens. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through pain. I don't want to experience just bad things. And we just, because we, we don't know the outcome. Because we don't know what's coming. We just worry. We go, oh my God. How is this going to happen? Suffering happens. Listen, two, two ways you handle worry. You either become a sinkhole or a volcano. Some of you guys take worry and suffering and pain and, and you go inward. And no one knows that you're dying inside. Sinkhole. Some of you, you get, you get the pain from life, the suffering from life, and you become a volcano. Everything around you is destroyed. Every, everyone knows what's going on. But what if we took these things to God? What if we took, man, I want to punch him in the face to God. Oh, but my prayer has to sound right. My prayer got to be like, thou is lordeth, my goddess. How art thou? Why are you speaking in thou? Next idea, listen. In prayer, your worry turns into wonder. I'm trying to encourage you to pray. I'm trying to encourage you, listen, get into this life of prayer. Don't go to people first. Go to God first. Go vertically. Don't go horizontal. Go vertically. Your prayer will turn your worry into wonder. You see, the Bible has these moments when the writers in the Bible are like, and this is we got to read your Bible, right? Especially if you're a skeptic. Like, get into the Bible so you can see how it really is. You got writers in the Bible that be like, life sucks so much right now. They're like, that's me. <laughs> Okay, not everyone's perfect. Not everyone's 100% all right in the head. God still uses them, though. God still is listening, though. God's glory is over them, though. David, he's in the Psalms. I, see, I hear the Psalms. They say about the book of the Psalms, they say the whole Bible writes to you, the Psalms write for you. You see verses in Psalms like, God, would you crush the teeth of my enemies? And I bet no one's praying that in hope groups, right? No one's in hope groups like, I got a prayer request. Can, can we pray for this guy's teeth to fall off? Because I hate this guy. He sucks. Right? But that's the right in the Bible. God, would you crush the teeth of my enemy? Listen, you get to pray like that so you don't have to live like that. Oh, that was it right there. You get to pray like God, will you just take that girl and will you just do something to her because I can't do nothing because I got to be like Jesus. I got to walk like Jesus. I got to have patience and kindness and goodness, and I will. And God, I know I'm growing, but will you take vengeance? And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You get to pray like that so you don't got to live like that. Pastor, all I want to do is punch him. All I want to do is punch him. Pray about it. Say, God heard him. And as you're praying... There's a heart transplant going on. Go, ah, but God, how can I really even pray for you to hurt someone? Would you just change his heart? Would you bless him? This is weird. 
I can't even take evil to you. What the heck is going on? I think I'm changing. I think I'm being rearranged. I think you're doing something in me. But the problem is we go horizontally to someone else, and they're like, yo, let's just jump them. And you're like, I'm Christian, but I'm hurting somebody else. Why don't we pray? Because we think we can get it wrong. Put that idea up. Skip the verse. Put the idea up. Why don't we pray? Because we think we can get it wrong. Go to God with everything. I promise you, your prayer life will get better. A theologian said it took him two years to master prayer, like really get there. So don't give it a week and say, oh, I guess it's not working. He's not working quick enough. His teeth aren't falling off. Keep going. Keep going. Just talk to God. Put some music on, you know what I'm saying? Set, set the vibe, set the tone, put some worship music on. Close the door and you already feel like, damn, I haven't done this in a while. This is crazy. And you just start praying, God. Can I tell you what, a, what an honest prayer sounds like? It sound, I need you. I know sometimes my actions don't show it, but deep, deep in me, there's a man and woman that, 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 that yearns for you. I know your presence is real, but I need deliverance in this pornography addiction. I need deliverance in this alcohol addiction. And when I really think about it, I'm just trying to escape. But here with you feels so much like an escape. So maybe I haven't gotten my blessing. Maybe you're my blessing. Maybe I haven't gotten that feeling. But this feeling is really everything I need. God, she cursed me out. And, and you know I wanted to do it. You know, you know, you know. I wanted to just hit the beep, 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 the beep, beep, beep. But I didn't do it. And you know what? Me six months ago would have done it. But something told me to just be the difference that I want to see. Would you stub her toe tomorrow morning, though, when she wake up? And when she mocks you, would you convict her? You can't pray wrong. You can't get it wrong. Just do it. It's like Nike. Just do it. You can never say the wrong thing in prayer. Tim Keller says this, theologian. Prayer is the main way we experience deep change. So there's like a surface level change. And then there's like deep change. Y'all with me? Because you can come to church and put a mask, mask on. Mask on. Put a mask on. Holly favored. Blessed and highly favored. I'm doing good. I mean, you're dying inside. I'm doing good. I'm, doing good. <laughs> I'm a mess. But prayer is the main way we experience deep change. Pastor, I don't even understand this verse. I don't understand it. It's like, I don't get it. Are you in prayer? The spirit that, read, that wrote the scripture is the spirit inside of you. It's like having the author of the writer reading you the book that they wrote. Prayer is the way we experience deep change, the reordering of our lives. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has for us. That's how he gives it. Because I can't give a gift to a kid. They're not ready for it. 
But once he matures, once he understands the value of what I'm going to give him, then he can really handle it. And some of you guys are praying for stuff without praying for stuff. You say, I want this. I want this. I want, but pray. But talk to God. Get in this life of prayer, and he will get you ready for what he's trying to give you. It's how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things that we most desire. Listen, prayer is really not changing God. Prayer is changing you. You can't change God. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's in time with you, but he's outside of time. And then, listen, tomorrow something's going to happen. So let me, let me be with you in this moment, and that's why we pray. Even secularly, put the next idea, secularly, when you pray, the positive parts are being amplified and the negative parts are being canceled cognitively. This isn't a Bible verse. This is scientific research. That's why you have actors, models, uh, uh, you have athletes that before they go into mass performances, before they go into the biggest show of their life, the biggest moment of their life, they're in the green rooms, they're in places with like, uh, 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 like a flame going off and they're sitting in the middle and there's a... They're just quiet and meditating and talking to a force. Scientifically, that does something to your brain to cancel out the negative and to enforce the positive. That's science. That's not Bible, but the Bible is science. Come on, somebody. There's one writer. He puts it this way. There's a writer. He wrote, he wrote a book, and then out of this book, there was a, a chapter I want to focus on, and I'm, I'm ending the night right here. So, writer, he says this, don't spend most time looking up your diagnosis than looking to God and the word of how to live. What is he saying? Don't spend so much time because you've got this diagnosis. You've got something wrong with you. You've got something on you. Don't spend so much time doing the research to figure out what are the, the effects of it, the causes of it. Don't do all the research. Don't take, don't take so much time looking up your diagnosis instead of looking to God of how to actually live. This writer, what he's saying, he's saying, listen, don't, don't spend all your days trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Go to the God that can help you be better. You know what the title of this portion of his writing is called? Put it up. Don't waste your cancer. Writing this, he has cancer. And he's like, I'm not going to waste my cancer. I'm not going to spend so much time figuring out how to beat it, although I want to. I'm not going to spend so much time figuring out how I got it because I want to know that. I'm going to spend my time in prayer with God to show me how to live the rest of my days with this diagnosis. I'm not going to waste what's happening to me. I'm going to let God use it for his glory. He says, don't waste time with your diagnosis. Take it to the Father. He says, don't waste your cancer. Look up to Jesus. Don't go horizontal first. Go vertical first. Look up to Jesus where your help comes from. You're not strong enough. Here's a common denator. Denator. Here's the, here's the common denominator of everything bad that's ever happened to you. You ready for this? It's mind-blowing. The common denominator of everything bad that's ever happened to you. Guess what it is? You. They talk crap, yeah, about you. 
Yeah, they offended you. Sometimes you hurt you. Can I tell you something you probably already know? But sometimes we're in denial. You need saving. You know that? If, if, if God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. He wanted to save the world, so he sent a savior. Because you need saving. You can't save yourself. You're the one that got yourself into this mess. How in the heck can you get yourself out? Speaking positivity into the world, and hopefully it reciprocate itself with all the positive energy I send out. It'll just send it back to me. Some people say and tweet nowadays, right? Just give up more positivity and don't come back. No, you need saving. That's why, that's why Disney, they stopped putting princes saving princesses, right? Also, it's like, I just had to find the force within me to do amazing things. I was the answer to my own problem the whole time. They used to write stories like, where's my knight in shining armor? Because I'm stuck in this castle, and there's a dragon with breath of fire. Who's going to help me? Shout out to Women in Power, though. Hello. I love Frozen. Confessions from a pastor. You need saving, my friend. See, I got saved years ago, but every day I'm being saved. I was saved, and every day I'm like, thank you. Because there's mercy every morning. Thank you, Jesus. Charles Spurgeon says this. Better to be taught by suffering than to be taught by sin. Fear not the storm. It brings healing in its wings. That's a tweet and a half. Better to be taught by suffering. God, I'm going through this, but I'm going to go to you because you're the one consistent thing in my life. I'd rather learn that way than to only be taught by sin. Because sin teaches you a lesson. Fear not the storm. It brings healing in its wings. Some of you guys are about to walk. Listen, if you've never been to a storm, been through a storm, just get ready. Some of you guys are in a storm right now worshiping. It's just you feel like there's weight on your shoulders. Worship team, come up. Just weight on your arms. There's just, how am I even worshiping in this storm right now? Because the storm brings healing in its wings. Let's read 1 Peter one more time. What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future and heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. I just want to do a quick poll. How many of you tonight, and I want you to respond to this question with some hand praises and some shouting and just full of faith. How many, how many of you tonight are going to pursue and jump into a life of prayer? How many of you guys are going to do that tonight? <laughs> 